Now, this series is one that we have been thinking about and praying about for several months. In fact, it was a year ago that I went to Mark Hanjan and Caroline Velber, and they were the initial two, and said, what do you think about us doing an entire church series? Meaning that everybody in the church, this is what we're going to go after. We're highly encouraging those who are in small groups, community groups, make this your time of discussion as you meet in your small groups. The kids' ministry is doing this right here. They're taking the exact same passages and subjects, and they are doing it in kid language. Student ministry is also devoting their time towards the exact same passage and doing the same subject matter. So why in the world will we devote this much effort and energy towards one particular subject? Well, glad you asked. We believe that there are three goals that we have. There's one driving reason for it, but there are three goals that we have. Number one, we want to talk about our core identity. Now, listen, we would love to see God Almighty free us up, that we would become so free in the process that we would live in light of who we are rather than living in light of what we do, that our core identity would come from being loved, being a beloved child of God. If that were our core identity, can you imagine the difference that would make in our lives? You would no longer be a slave to me where I would have to force you to love me. I would be free to love without having to have it returned. Is it good to have it returned? Oh, yeah. Having that reciprocity is a good thing, but it wouldn't be a necessity for me to have joy and peace. We would love to see God free us up and live in light of who we are and not what we do. So talk about our core identity. The second goal is this. We want to have a biblical view of love. Lots and lots of different definitions and descriptions of what love is in our modern day and age. What does the Bible have to say about love? You'll see this here in a moment, but God is the one that gets to define it. It is not we that get to define it. So we want to have a biblical view of what love is. And then the third goal is this. We want to understand that love is actually a verb. It is movement, it is action, it is going towards someone. It is imparting something. It is not always convenient. But hear me, love is always compelling. I would ask you this, can you think of any more compelling force on earth outside of the person of God himself, the Holy Spirit? Take that aside for a moment. Can you think of any more compelling force on earth than the force of love? Is there anything that we write about more, that we film more, that we, we put it into plays and television shows and music, etc.? It is one of the, the, the loftiest ideas that we have in all of humanity. Everybody wants to be loved. I would go so far as to say this. We all actually need love. We need to love someone else, and we need to be loved by someone else. We know from grammar school that our three basic needs, food, clothing, and shelter, and I would say I think that's woefully short because I think there are plenty of people that have food, clothing, and shelter but are going without the greatest need that all humans possess, and that is the need to be loved. Now, maybe it's they don't perceive that they are loved when they are actually being loved by someone else, But I know this, we all need to love someone else and we need to feel as though we are being loved by someone else. That is a need. It is not just a simple want. I want to go skiing this summer on the lake. 
I need to be loved. I want a huge bowl of banana pudding yet again. I need to love someone else. I want certain football teams to win and others to lose. I want certain things to go my way during the I need to love and to be loved. And so the question is not simply, are humans going to pursue this? The question is just simply, how are we going to pursue it? In what ways are we going to pursue loving someone else? And in what ways are we going to pursue, actively pursue being loved by someone else? Now, I know that for many of us right now, the question has popped up in our minds. Hey, dude, preacher boy, gotcha. I understand that. I agree with you. But do you know how hard I have tried and do you know how bad it hurt when I put myself out there and what I got in return was actually not love. It was actually something. Do you, many of us are thinking, I know that that probably is true, but I don't want to do it because if I do it, if I risk it again, I don't know that I can handle that kind of rejection. What do we do knowing the fact that we not only want to be loved, but we need to be loved and we need to love someone else? Now, this is our theme, if you will, for the day. It's one point. In fact, when I was making the outline, I went, there's a Roman numeral one. Did you ever have a high school teacher or middle school teacher said, never have a one without a two, never have an A without a B? I have a one. There is no two. There's an A, there is going to be no B. Here's the point this morning. God is love. We want to be loved. We need to be loved. We want to love others. We need to love others. God is love. Give your Bibles open with me to 1 John chapter 4. Now, for this entire series, we're going to be reading from the New International Version, we thought that the wording on this captured it the best. And so if you can, if you have physical ability, if not, don't sweat it. If you can, would you stand in honor of God's word as I read from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. You may be seated. 
The guy who's writing this book is a guy named John. John was an apostle of Jesus. He was one of those original 12 disciples that were called by Jesus specifically to follow him. Now, John seems to have a unique place. Not that John was more valuable. It's just that John seemed to be closer to Jesus, humanly speaking, than any other disciple. Peter, James, and John were the three closest friends of Jesus while he walked the earth. But it seems as though this apostle, John, had seemed to have a little bit closer relationship. Again, doesn't mean he had more value or worth as a person. You probably have some friends that you're closer to than others. John was tight with Jesus. In fact, all the disciples spread out and they went other ways when Jesus was crucified on a cross. There were three people that were there at his presence. It was Mary, his mother, of course. She would be there because mamas just love. It's what you do. There was Mary Magdalene who had been healed by Jesus, had demons cast out of him, who was very loyal to Jesus. And then there was John. John was so close to Jesus that there was a moment when Jesus was being crucified. Before he breathed his last, he looks down at John and he says, John, behold your mother, mother, behold your son. In other words, what he was doing was saying, John, it is your job to take care of my mama. Every southern boy for sure, I suspect it's true of every boy all over the world, but every southern boy in particular has a special place in his heart for his mama. And Jesus entrusted his mother into the hands of John, which ought to tell us something about what Jesus thought about John. John was not perfect, far, far from it, but he was faithful. And when John is writing, he's writing from a perspective of one who has been profoundly changed by Jesus. Not just inspired by Jesus to where he could go and do some things differently. He was profoundly changed by Jesus. It was spending time in his presence. It was now the Holy Spirit that was living inside of John. So by the time John writes this letter, several years have passed when Jesus has already made his way back to the Father. And John is reflecting on the life and ministry of Jesus. And he comes to this section right here. And he's trying to let the people know those that were questioning whether or not they were actually redeemed by God, whether they were saved by God, whether they were justified by God. They had these doubts and questions in their minds. So he writes this book to let them know, I want you to, to be assured of your salvation. And so one of the things he says here is this. One of the ways we should be sure is, do you find yourself loving others? Well, the only reason you're going to truly, deeply, sincerely love others is because you've been changed by Jesus. You've been changed by God. God is love. Now, this is the third statement that, G, that John makes in his writings. You've got the Gospel of John, you've got the Epistles of John, and you've also got this book of Revelation, which is a whole different style of writing. But John writes a lot. And this is the third thing that, Jesus, or that John has told us about the essence of God, who God is. In the Gospel of John, chapter 4, he tells us that he, God is not flesh and blood. It tells us that he is spirit is not flesh and blood with all of the limitations that would come with having a flesh and blood. Jesus took on humanity. Jesus put those limitations on himself, meaning that he became tired. He had to sleep, etc. Uh, he bled, I mean, things like that. Uh, but, but God is spirit. He doesn't have the same limitations. And earlier in this particular uh, book, in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, he tells us that God is light. What is he saying by that? He's telling us that God is holy and that he is without sin. There is nothing in him that is even tempted by sin. 
Everything God does, he does in the open because he has nothing to hide. Wouldn't that be true? Wouldn't it be great if that were true of you and me? To never have a need to hide anything. He is spirit, he is light, and now he tells us here in verse 8, he tells us again in verse 16 that God is love. What is he saying? He is saying that the essence of God is love. Love is not God. God is love. Now, just a couple of things to point out that I think he's getting at in here. Number one, I think he is telling us that love is defined by God. I have searched for the last two and a half weeks to try to find out who made this quote, and nobody actually seems to know. Some thinks, think it came back from the middle of the 17th century. Others think it came from literally about two months ago. Nobody knows who made this statement, but somebody made this statement. Love does not define God, but God defines love. That is a profound statement. Let that sink in. Your understanding, my understanding, my description, my definition, my expectation, what I want love to be does not define God. So I don't get the chance to try to make God into the image of what I want him to be. God, on the other hand, is the one who actually tells us, describes us, shows for us what love actually is. He is the one who defines it on his terms rather than us getting to define God on our terms. Now, there are a lot of different thoughts today about what love is. Please hear me. God is the only one who gets to define what love is. We can describe it. We can illustrate it. We can try to help others understand it. God is the one who defines it. So first of all, love is defined by God, I think is what he's getting at when he tells us that God is love. The second thing I think he's getting at is that love is the nature of God. It is the essence of God. It is who he is. Now, for many of us, that is a hard statement to believe. Because we've had things happen in our life in the past. We have some things going on currently right now. And we're concerned about the things that will happen in the future. And we can't quite get these two thoughts together. That if God, if the essence of God is love, if he is loving by nature, if he can do nothing else but love, I'm sorry, he can do nothing contrary rather to love. If this is who he is, then why has this happened in my life? Why has this happened in the life of someone I love? And why am I so concerned about what might take place? Love is the nature of God. It is who he is. And please understand this. All of the attributes of God cannot be separated from the person of God. You've heard us say it this way. Um, we all do who it is that we are. What we do flows out of who we are. What's on the inside makes its way towards the outside. We all do based on who we are. So you treat people the way that you treat people because of who you are. Here's what makes it difficult for us. We look at our own lives and we know there are moments in which we treat others really, really well. And, and, and we're excited about it, and you should be. You should be uh, have a certain level of contentment and say, man, that, that, that was loving, that was kind, that was all that's good. That, that's not arrogant, that's not impious, uh, it, it, um, that's good. But we know that there's this other part of us. 
that resist that. And we're not always loving, and we're not always kind, and we're not always patient, etc. And so we know that there's this other side of us. God has no other side. God is just loving. And so it is attached to all of his attributes. He is holy. He is lovingly holy. He is holy in his loving. He is kind. He is patient. He is also wrathful. He is just. He is all of these things, and none of those things are separated or can be separated from the fact that he is loving and can never not be loving. Everything that he does is from a wise and loving perspective. We just don't always understand it. We don't always get it, and we don't always agree with it. But it doesn't change the fact that God is love. It's his essence. It's who he is. He has loving mercy. He has loving grace. He has loving compassion, loving faithfulness. He has loving justice. He has loving jealousy. He has loving wrath. Now, why do you think it is that we as humans all have this deep-seated need to be loved? All I had to do was to give you a few examples at the beginning of the sermon. I didn't have to convince anyone of the truthfulness of this, did I? Is anyone ever going to have to convince you that we all want to be loved and we all want to love? No, nobody has to convince anyone of that. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. We are like Him. And He made us with this deep city because this is who He is. Now, in two weeks, we're going to talk about how it is that we can love others. But just, I want to say this right now to to help us understand. uh, If we don't love others, and if we aren't loved by others, we will go insane. If God doesn't love others, God would somehow or another go in God's standards, insane. It's who he is. And since it is who he is, it is a drive that is inside of us. The last thing I think he wants us to see here in this particular section here of of 1 John is that love is displayed by God. Love is defined by God. Love is the essence of God. And love is displayed by God. In the book of Romans, the writer Paul says this, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How does he say it over here in verse 9 of 1 John chapter 4? This is how God showed or displayed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. John gives a little simple description right there. What is he telling us? He's telling us that simply because God is love, God was not going to resist 
the opportunity to send his son to redeem a group of people for himself. Why is that? Is that because somehow another God was going to be incomplete without us? Is it because God was somehow another so bored in all of eternity past and he finally got these little creatures on earth that he could sort of interact with and have some fun with? And, and so now if, if people go away from him, then he's going to somehow another lose it. Now, is it because God needed anything? No, it's because he is love. And so seeing us in our condition, he did not have the response that said, well, they got themselves there, now they need to get themselves out. I gave them the standard. I was crystal clear. I spoke with them in person about this. And every generation that has gone on, I told them over and over and over again. I gave them my word, which is timeless. I have not been an ineffective communicator. God could have just said, let them go. He, he could not do that. He would not do that because the essence of God, which is love, would not pass up the opportunity to do something for us that we could never do for ourselves. So he sent his son. Now, right now, I know that there are several folks in the room and online that are going, ah, man, you're getting dangerous, David. You're dangerously close. We're talking about what God could and would and might not. And should. I'm telling you, I, I am, I'm, as far as I know, I am just relating to you what the scriptures teach. You could resist the opportunity. You could resist the opportunity to, to, to do something for all of mankind. And while God does not do everything for everyone, the scriptures are very clear. Because of who he is, he sent his son to die. We all do based out of who we are. Three parts about this love being displayed. Number one, his love is sacrificial in nature. His love is sacrificial. In my opinion, you've heard me state this before, but nobody puts on display so consistently a sacrificial love as the U.S. military. There are others who do a great job of sacrificing in, in small ways, but I don't know of anyone on a consistent basis that does more than the U.S. military. Through their training, they come to believe, firmly convinced on the inside that everyone else's life is more valuable than theirs. And they are willing in a, in a, in a moment, in a heartbeat, to give up their own life for the benefit of someone else. In a moment, they would jump upon a grenade to save a, a, a brother. Even in civilian life, they can't shut it off. And they have this mindset that they are going to serve others. Their love is sacrificial in nature. It is willing to say, I will go without so that you don't have to go without. I will let me have nothing so that you might have something. God's love is sacrificial and Jesus takes on human flesh and he comes to earth and he doesn't do what literally every other false God has made the claim of and that your job is just to come and to give and give and give and give to me. God said my job is to come and to give to you because you could never give enough to me. His love is sacrificial. 
It doesn't mean that he doesn't demand anything from us. It means that his fundamental posture is to give. His love is unconditional. Now, what the Bible means by unconditional is that this. When Jesus was looking around saying, who is it that I want to save? He didn't look around and say, you know what? That guy over there, I think he'd be a good one for our group because he makes a truckload of money. And this person over here would be really good for our group. You know why? Because that person has unique speaking and communication skills. And man, she would be fantastic over here because her ability to relate to others is, is unusual. And, and all the people would be drawn to There are no conditions based on God's love for us. It has nothing to do with what we did in the past or what we would do in the future. It is conditional only upon the essence of God. So since it was not conditional to bring us into right relationship with him, it won't be conditional in terms of keeping us in right relationship with him. So your relationship with God is not based on what it is that you do and don't do. Your relationship with God is based 100% on what Christ has already done. His love is sacrificial. His love is unconditional. Jesus would go so far as to say, the ones that the Father has given me, No one can pluck them out of my hand. Neither height, nor depth, nor principalities. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You sinned this morning, didn't you? You sinned last night, didn't you? Something has likely taken place in the last week or month that that, that causes you shame. That sin does not separate you from God if you are in Christ Jesus. His love is sacrificial. His love is unconditional. And finally, his love is eternal. There is no beginning and there is no end to his love for us. I can still tell you when I think, I can give you the general time frame, when I think I realized that I loved Judith. Not just that I liked her, not just that I appreciated some things about her, not just that I was infatuated, really enjoying getting to know her. I think I can give you the general time frame I'm in there in which I, I think I actually love this woman. How did I know that? Because there were some things that were being reflected in my heart that God had done for me. There was this sacrificial thing that was growing inside of me. There was this desire to see her benefit, for her to grow. It was no longer about how it is that she can benefit me in my life and how she can give me a boost. It was more about, is there a way that I can be productive for her and help her? I think that general time frame occurred. It was before we were married, but I I think that general time frame uh, uh, occurred um, weirdly through basketball. It was because I realized that my thoughts and and etc were moving away from basketball which was my functional god and i was beginning to think about more how i could interact with this brunette and again it wasn't because of what she could give me and there's plenty that she's given me over the years i have a beginning there's a beginning of my love for judith there's never a beginning of god's love for you It's not the moment that you prayed a prayer with sincerity that says, God, here's the controls of my life. You can have me. It's not at that moment. It was before that, before the foundations of the earth 
were poured, God loved you. And the reason God loved you before the foundations of the earth were there is because it is simply who God is. And because there was no beginning, there will never be an end to his love for you. You cannot out the cross. Try your hardest. Do your best to shove him away. Run as hard as you can, as fast as you can away from him. Ask Jonah how that went for him. Look anywhere you want. You try to get away from God. You will not be able to get away from God because his love is eternal. He'll let you go for a little bit. You'll experience some pain. You'll experience some unnecessary consequences. But you won't get rid of God's love. His love is sacrificial. It is unconditional. And his love is eternal. Now, what we're going to do next week is to talk about how that specifically applies to us as a people. I want to leave this story with you that I heard several years ago. And um, I I don't know if it's true or not. I I just know it came from a, a man who quoted this from another book. So here's how the story goes. Young man was the apple of his father's eye. His mother and father doted on him. They loved this son. He was a child that brought them great joy, not because of all the things that he could do, but simply because he was. Love like a parent loves. That child reached a certain part of life in which he was interested in other things and was not necessarily satisfied and content with the love of his parents. And so he began to pursue other avenues to fulfill the void that was in his life. By the time he was in high school, he was already addicted to drugs and alcohol. There were all kinds of programs they sent him to, but they didn't work. Early in his 20s, while living in the home of his parents, he came home on yet another night. His mother and father would oftentimes pace the floor and pray with every fervor that they had. On this particular occasion, at four in the morning when he walked in, the husband felt his wife get up and leave the room. Feeling as though she may have left in order to go weep and pray once again, she came Couldn't find him the rest of the house. He opened the door to where the son's room was, where he was passed out on the top of his covers there, and there was his wife simply stroking his hair. Honey, what are you doing? He won't let me love him while he's awake. So I'll love him while he sleeps. Run as fast as you can. God will run harder. God is love. We all need it. We all want to have it. God is love.